Hey guys, Darren Watts here. Uh, before we get into this podcast, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there for everybody that's listening. Firstly, I appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to me. But if anybody is listening to this podcast for the sake of advice, well, for the sake of actually trying to solicit advice from a professional, professional, then I'm not your guy. I would recommend that you listen to another podcast that has just that, a professional mental health personnel, psychologist, and all of them. But if you're listening to me just to hear my story, hear other people's story, and just solicited uh, some knowledge or some educational stuff from what I read, then this is the podcast for you to listen to. But other than that, thank you for listening, and enjoy this podcast. Again, with another edition of Breaking Mental Health with Daryl. I appreciate everybody tuning in. I am Daryl. So, today, we're continuing Adult Mental Health Week. Um, we're going to look at 2016 Adult Mental Health Stats. Excuse me. And we're going to also talk about uh, something here that really needs to be talked about. Um, I mentioned it, I want to say, sometime last week. I want to say it was close to the end of the week. Um, I want to talk about uh, Jordan Neely and how his mental health should have been actually the focal point, the focus point of the viral video, video that went out instead of his aggression and aggressive actions. We'll talk about that. So, I'll have that all for you here in a hot second. Okay, so last week, we t- I'm sorry, yesterday... We talked about, um, I'm so used to doing it in an aspect of every week. This whole May thing and the World uh, Mental Health Month has kind of thrown me off because I'm, I'm used to doing this every week. So I always come on and be like, uh, uh, last week or join me next week. 
And by the time I'm done with this, it'll probably be practically the reverse. I'll be saying, join me tomorrow or, you know, yesterday. So I should be saying, join me next week and last week. This is all crazy. It's all crazy. So, yeah. Yesterday, I got to talking about um, the 2015 stats of uh, adult mental health. And um, there wasn't really a lot of stat numbers to, to deal with on that. But there have been some increases on that behalf. So um, we're going to look into 2016 and see what we have for this aspect. So we're going to take a look at it real quick. Um, adult prevalence of mental illness. So adults with um, any mental illness. 18.53% of adults in America reported suffering from a mental illness. Uh, a slight increase in percentage from last year, uh, which is 18.19%. While this is only a 0.4% increase, the estimated number of adults with mental illness increased by 1.2 million individuals. Adult with dependence or abuse of illicit drug or alcohol. 8.66% uh, of adults or percent of adults in America report having a substance use or uh, use or uh, alcohol problem. A 0.2% increase in percentage as compared to last year, which is 8.46%. Uh, southern states have the lowest prevalence of addiction, around 7.5%. Adult prevalence in mental illness, uh, adults with serious thoughts of suicide. The percentage of adults reporting serious thoughts of suicide is 3.89%. Uh, the estimated number of adults with serious suicidal thoughts equal more than 9 million individuals. Uh, not surprisingly, the correlation between adults with AMI and adults who have suicidal thoughts is strong. Uh, this means that higher rates of mental illness are associated with higher rates of suicidal thoughts. Eight of the states, eight of the states with the highest percentages of mental illness also have the highest percentage of suicidal thoughts. That's something. That is something. And the reason, why, why could be the reason that um, adults will suffer from uh, any type of um, mental illness or um, addiction or abuse of uh, drugs? Why is that? You know, it, it, it really goes with all of the world issues that's going on. You know, job is stressing them out, money stressing them out. You know, it, it is a worldwide of reasons why this is. And this is why they take notes of this stuff. This is why they build statistical numbers for this because there are so many problems and so many solutions. Well, so little solutions. And so little solutions to this problem is really hurting the Americans. And this is why they're suffering from all of this 
addiction. This is why they're suffering from all their drug abuse. This is why they're suffering from all their alcohol use. This is why they're suffering from any type of mental illness. They are suffering because of everything that is going on in this world. That's why. Adult access to care. Uh, adults with AMI who did not receive treatment. 57.2% of adults with a mental illness received no treatment in 2012-2013. Although this is a slight decrease in percentage from 2010 to 2011, which is 58.34%, the percentage of those who are likely to need some support before problems worsen is high. States with the most utilization of treatment have 30% more adults receiving treatment compared to the states with least utilization. In Nevada, 70.7% of adults with mental illness did not receive any treatment. From 2010 to 2011 to 2012 to 2013, six states had significant changes, more than 10 percentage points. Uh, Iowa, um, minus 15.50%, and Minnesota, minus 12.80%, Louisiana, minus 10.90%, and Missouri, minus 10.60%, experienced over 10 percent uh, reduction in the number of untreated adults with mental illness. Colorado plus 10.40 percent and Washington plus 10.60 percent experienced over a 10 percent increase in the number of untreated adults with mental illness. So adults with AMI reporting unmet need. One out of five which is 20.1 percent of adults with a mental illness report they are not able to get the treatment they need. I wonder why. States with the highest levels of unmet need, bottom 10, are the 1.6 times more likely to have people report unmet need. Unlike the number of people with mental illness who did not receive treatment, the individuals who are reporting unmet need are seeking treatment and facing barriers to getting help, the help they need. Uh, having insurance does not mean access to care. In areas like Massachusetts, D.C., or Vermont, many people with mental illness report having an unmet need even though most are insured. This difference speaks to the importance of reviewing adequacy of insurance. For example, does the insurer cover sufficient types of treatment, include enough access to providers, or cover the cost of treatment? Adult access to care, so adults with uh, any uh, mental illness who are uninsured. 18.5%, which is over 8 million of adults with a mental illness were uninsured in 2012-2013. A slight decrease in percentage as compared to 2010-2011, which is 19.10%. Most states, uh, 30 out of 50, experienced a decrease in the number of uninsured adults with mental illness between 2010 and 2011 and 2012-2013. The individuals in, uh, in states at the bottom 10 are three times more likely to be uninsured compared to those at the top 10. Those in Nevada, which is ranked 51, are 10 times more likely to be uninsured compared to individuals in Massachusetts, which is ranked first. Two states experienced a larger than 10% change in percentage points over time. In both states, more individuals became uninsured over time, which is Tennessee, 
plus 11% more uninsured in South Carolina, plus 12.1% more uninsured. Adults with disability who could not see a doctor due to cost. Money. One out of four, which is 25.5%, which is 1.2 million of adults with a disability were not able to see a doctor due to cost. The inability to pay for treatment due to high treatment costs and or inadequate, inadequate insurance coverages remain a barrier for individuals despite being insured. Overall, individuals in the South face the most difficulty in barriers related to cost, access to insurance, and access to treatment. Man. Man, man, man. I gotta say, um, it's it's disappointing because we're um, we're seeing these we're we're reading these numbers, and it's a shame that it has to come down to money at the end of the day. It's shameful. Now it's different for you know. Um, for the health force workers to earn that money you know they deserve that money they have to be looked out for too because they absolutely 100% deserve more of the you know uh, pay that they deserve right and when you have the government on the other hand they're not helping is either the federal or the local government. They're not helping. Some somewhere along that line, and I really don't care who it is at this point, but they're not really doing anything to help provide for health care and treatments and all of that. Yeah, the stuff is expensive. I get it. Totally. One hundred percent. But at the end of the day, The workers still has to provide too. I mean, just as much as you know, paying out of pocket and covering for cost. You know, you would really think this is a no-brainer to actually say, "Hey, okay, well, since since we're looking at these numbers and we see, you know, fifty-seven point two percent of adults." are not receiving the treatment that they need, you know, how about that we put more money into adults being treated so it can be covered in their insurance? Why can't we not do that? Now, I may be speaking in the sense of, well, that's easy for you to say, you know, that is a problem that, you know, it's more harder to handle. Here's my thing. And I'll say this all the time. Guns. Guns, guns, guns. Why is there so much money into the fucking guns? Versus adults that need health care 
treatments. Why is that? I do not understand that these stupid people running around with AR-15 guns, AK-15 guns, all these guns, showing them off, sporting them off, and these are the main same people that are getting killed, and y'all are putting more money into that rather than putting money in for adults. So you're telling me it's more easier to put money into the guns versus the adults that suffer from mental health. And then especially for the youth. Really? I'm sorry, people. That do not make sense. It don't make sense. It just don't make sense. And then, on top of that, when you got people that are dealing with trauma, abuse, um, physical or sexual violence, you know, any of that stuff, when people are dealing with that, guess what's what sitting with them? The fucking guns. The same guns that these people are putting more money into. And then the people that are suffering mentally, there's nothing there for them. It's like, sorry, we can't help you. What the fuck? Really? You know, we have more adults that suffer from traumatic brain injuries, uh, chronic illnesses, mental health disorders, you know, um, sleep disorders, nutrition problems, toxic exposures, and then you have the bigger problem, including this, the bigger problem for the veterans, people that have been in the military, the Navy, they suffer a lot more. People want to go around, oh yeah, we support our troops, we support them all, the Navy, the Army, all of them, we support them, but there's nothing there to help. Nothing. Silence. Oh, well, tough shit. Tough shit. I'm sorry that you're going through it. But tough shit. You see why I'm confused? Do you see why I am sitting here trying to figure out that word that's easy for you to say? Help me with this. Just make it make sense. Here's the problem with that. You fucking can't. Um, last week, um, I had mentioned that uh, Darren had did a piece on Jordan Neely. And I had discussed in a little brief, small detail on what he had mentioned from the racism side of uh, Jordan Neely's uh, viral video of him getting uh, in a, that chokehold by the uh, white guy. Um, and I had briefly discussed the mental health side of it, but now I'm going to actually be, you know, 
doing more on the mental health side, but at the same time, doing the racism side too. So I figured that um, this is important that I discuss this. So if anybody don't want to listen to it, you could skip over this. Um, but I'm going to do it. And I hope that everybody that is open-minded and understands what's going on actually hear, you know, this viewpoint of everything and understand why this is what it is. So MSNBC, uh, Jahan Jones, uh, put this article together. And so the media's focus on Jordan Neely's mental health reeks of racism. So many people watched Jordan Neely being choked for several minutes last week, but now obsessing over his mental health. That's classic white supremacy. Following the release of the video footage depicting the choking death of Jordan Neely on the subway last week, a troubling narrative emerged in the media and online. This narrative, pushed both by seemingly well-meaning people and those who seem to be inspired by nefarious motives, suggested Neely, who was homeless and seen yelling on camera, was the only person in that scenario whose mental health is worth considering. Yet, among these people, there seemingly, seemingly been, been no self-reflection about how these claims which suggests Neely's outburst with the impetus for his slang, further white supremacist talking points. Many in the media watched the video of a white man choking a black man for several minutes, seemingly yelled for yelling too loud, and the widespread reaction was to ponder the black man's mental state as though this was a determining factor in his own death. Lawyers for Daniel Penny the man accused of choking Neely to death said Penny acted to protect himself and other passengers after Neely began acting aggressively threatening, but it's unclear whether Neely had physically threatened anyone. As of Tuesday morning, Penny has not been charged with a crime in the matter. With regards to Neely's mental health, I suggest people instead ponder the persuasive Mindset many white people apparently hold in which they feel they've earned dominion over other people's lives. To be certain, this narrative isn't new. Over the last decade, we've seen the disturbing repetition of stories in which white officials or even regular civilians meditate out violence against black people alleged to be having mental health crises or altered mental, mental states that made them formidable and imminently dangerous. To me, these conversations are always saturated in a sordid history of racist violence and medical misdiagnosis. Watching people opine on Neely's mental state and hearing them imply this was for impetuous for being for his being choked to death harkens back to the days enslaved black people were said to have been stricken with Drapetomania, a fictitious condition white races used to describe people who tried or wanted to flee slavery. And these diagnoses came at a time when a slave person escaping could be punishable by death. The cause 
in the most cases that includes the Negro to run away from service is as much a disease of the mind as any other species of mental alienation. Uh, wrote Samuel Cartwright, the physician who coined the term drapetomania. Cartwright blamed the condition on white people's reluctance to force black people to become the submissive knee bender, which the Almighty declared he should be. We see parallels between the past and the present and the ways black people are expected to acquiesce the well to white people's will. Neely's refusal on this front appears to have cost him his life. And it started and it's and it's startling to witness so many observers of this story who seem fine with that transaction. During the history of Drapetomania and Infusuado Scientific Diagnosis with the New York Times in 2000, Harvard psychiatry professor Alvin Poussin said, I quote, Cartwright saw, saw uh, slavery normative. So when slaves deviate from the norm, he called them mentally ill. The business of deciding what's normal and what psychologies, I'm sorry, psychopathology gets influenced by cultural and politics is not hard science. The same can be said about black people deemed to be of unsound mind today. Remember this as you follow the story of Jordan Neely and find yourself diagnosing the people involved. So, here's the whole point of this article. The whole point of this article is really based on whenever and however people want to see with racism and mental health. They want to describe mental health in so many ways that... Um, one person could be and another person could be right so let's take this as an example let's say that that was the reverse okay let's say that Jordan Neely actually put that illegal chokehold on the black on that uh, white navy or marine or whoever he was on the white fella okay he decides he does that because the same problems that Joy Neely was having, he was having. This is just an example. So he decides he wants to protect everybody and Joy Neely just chokes him to death. Now, think about this. The fella that is accused... Daniel Penny. He's dead, right? Jordan Neely would have been arrested and charged with murder. And mainly, they would have added the illegal choking into the charge somehow, some way. Now, reverse those roles, Daniel Penny put an illegal chokehold on Jordan Neely, and now Jordan Neely's dead. He hasn't been charged with a crime because 
they felt that Jordan Neely being aggressively threatening and yelling and feel like that he's putting other people at risk shows that he hasn't really, that he was actually being aggressive and threatening. Yeah, he was. He was being actually aggressively, but he wasn't, in my personal opinion, threatening. They throw these things in here to make mental health look real bad. If Daniel Penny was suffering that type of mental health, it would have been like, what could we have done to have actually helped this young fella? But now, Jordan Neely had a problem and they blamed his mental health for it. No, 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 no. That is the type of white supremacy bullshit that they're talking about. That is exactly what he's talking about. We, we are in a different situation for what happened with Jordan Neely and Daniel Penny. We're, we're in a whole different situation now. The bigger thing is, what could we have done to help this young fella Jordan Neely with his mental health? It wasn't that. He became threatening, aggressive, yelling. He looked like he was going to put his hands on people. Hell, y'all don't even know that. Y'all don't even know that. How are y'all going to automatically assume that? And now that Daniel Penny hasn't even been charged for anything. He murdered a man. Why is he not arrested? Why is he not arrested? The lawyers apparently said that Penny acted to protect himself and other passengers after Neely began acting aggressively threatening. Knowing good and hell well, it is unclear if he had physically threatened anyone. His ass should be arrested. Point blank period. Why is this even a discussion? I have no clue. He killed an innocent person. And she, he should be in handcuffs. This is what this is. This is what this is. It's white privileged. And, and the video shows him actually killing this guy. He's killing him. He's killing Jordan Neely. The video, all out there. But now it's like, oh... Was he really that threatening? What difference do it make? He didn't do anything. And even if he did do something, it wasn't shown on video. What was shown on video was the fact that Penny killed Neely. That's, that's it. That's it. It shouldn't be no more for this. No more. He should be in cuffs. Point blank period.
Why am I repeating myself? Because it's true. It's true. Just harbor. Think about it. That's all I have. Uh, I appreciate everyone's time. I appreciate everyone listening to me. I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, Join me tomorrow. We're going to go into 2017. Look at the stats 2017 of adult mental health. And anything that is going on, uh, I I will actually discuss or whatever. So just join me tomorrow. And I'll have it for you. Um, I'm on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Love University and Instagram, Love University. And you can email me at breakingmentalaj at gmail.com. You can talk, rap, share your feelings, whatever. Send me up. But until then, stay true to yourself. And always remember, when it comes to listening, you're one step closer to bringing awareness. Let's go. (laughs) 